You're listening to the Sunday Messages Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Good morning, everyone. You look very dapper in your coats, in your fall gear. It is cool outside, isn't it? And how about that rain that we got last week? Give uh, God thanks for that. It is good to be here also. We can thank God for all those blessings. The garage doors are open. And again, like Taylor said, we'll celebrate baptisms right after this. So parents, if you want to go get your kids and and allow them to celebrate um, the baptism, see what it's all about. It's fun. We have seen over 100 baptisms already this year at Cypress Creek Church. Praise him and glory be to God. Unreal. Real. If you are visiting, my name is Jose, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor, and we, Cypress Creek Church, are what the video just said, a group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow the only perfect Savior, and that is Jesus. So I hope that you feel welcome wherever you are on your faith journey. As a church family, we've been looking at the promises of God through this series called Promises, and this morning we are on our fifth promise, and we're not even halfway through the first book of the Bible. We'll see how long this takes. We have, uh, I hope you have learned an appreciation of how amazing these promises, how everything that God promises comes true. It is a yes and amen. And we've been looking at this verse in 2 Timothy 2.13. Anybody got it memorized yet? If we are unfaithful, he, God, remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. He is a faithful God, the God of covenant, the God of promise. And this morning, again, we'll look at another promise. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 28, looking at the promise of God's presence, the promise of God's presence, his Holy Spirit presence, God with us. The opposite of presence is what? Absence. Absence. And I wonder if you can recall a time in your life where you felt the absence of a loved one, maybe the absence of a protector or a keeper, where you felt vulnerable and uh, you, you felt the absence of something. I'll never forget. I, I went to college three different times, I feel. The first one, I went on a five-week summer program to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, of all places. And I was 15, and that was my first college experience, a lot of experiences there in uh, Boston. The second was Texas State University, eat them up cats in San Marcos when I went to college. And the third was I went abroad to the Netherlands in uh, my junior year. That was the third time that I felt this absence, this absence of home, this absence of mom and dad, this absence of familiarity. And and I'll never forget in in Holland where I I felt lost. Literally, I went from my flat. That's what they call dorms or apartments in Europe, flat. I went from my flat and and I went the wrong way. I was very confident in my map reading skill. This was before the days of Google Maps. So either you brought your map or you studied your map, which is I did. And then I incorrectly followed it to my destination. So it was about a two-hour wandering, let's just call it. And uh, I found myself in the bad part of town, and I felt very afraid. I I was afraid because I was in an unfamiliar place. Uh, I I didn't have much besides two legs that can run. The sun was setting, and I remember feeling that absence of a, uh, a protector or a guide 
in that season. Maybe you are in that season right now. See, the biggest problem that we have as people is that we, we fear being alone. We, we, we are not aware. The biggest problem that we have is that we are not aware of God's omnipresence, that, that he is the God that is with us. The Bible can be summarized. God is faithful, and it can also be summarized. God is with us. And so we're going to look at this story of this man named Jacob. Last week, we talked about Abraham. We're going to skip his son Isaac's story to jump to Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac married Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah could not have children until God blessed them with not one, but twins. Where are my twin families are? There's a double blessing for you if you know one or have, you know, or have been one. Wow twins. And so here comes Esau, the older son, and here comes Jacob, the younger son. Where are my firstborns uh, in this room? Where are my firstborns? Yeah, most of us were at the 830 gathering because we're over cheers and we show up to the... So where, where are my second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and beyond? Okay, majority are... Okay, this is your week because the Bible talks a lot about firstborns, but this is the week of Jacob, the second born that is blessed. That's right, Jacob. Another uh, word for Jacob in Hebrew is deceiver. Ooh, if you're named Jacob, I'm sorry if you didn't know that your name means liar, deceiver. That's what <laughs> Jacob does. He deceives his older son, Esau, he, de he, he deceives him, and, he, and he sell, uh, Esau sells his birthright as the first story. And then the second story is that Isaac uh, is, is about to bless his older son as was tradition. But Jacob and, and his mom, Rebekah, deceit Isaac, and he literally steals. He takes away the firstborn's blessing, but Isaac gives it to Jacob. And we continue to see a group of imperfect people that God continues to bless, that God continues to promise these things. I don't want us to miss that, that everything that we read about, I mean, this happened thousands and thousands of years ago in a land far away, is still relevant to our life. I mean, sibling strife, anybody. Uh, uh, marital strife, anybody. Uh, this jealousy and envy of wanting something that someone else has, anybody. God's presence yet dwells with us. And, and Jacob in the story finds himself absent from his mom and dad. Isaac sends him away uh, to get married, to get his MR and MRS degree in uh, Haran, of all places. We talked about Haran last week. And so here's where we pick up and we read this promise that God promised Jacob. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba, that's where his mom and dad we're at, and, and he went toward Haran. Now, we talked about Haran last week, didn't we? Abraham's dad settled in Haran when he was on his way to Canaan. So we see a bit of redemption here of Haran. Verse 11, and he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. He, unlike me, was a very wise traveler. He knew, okay, the sun is setting. Go find a resting place. Don't find yourself in a dangerous place when the night comes. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Where are my hard pillow people? Okay. <laughs> Jacob was one of these. He had a hard pillow rock 
put it, laid his head on a rock, and, uh, the, and he dreamed, and behold. Now, eight times we'll read this word, behold. And the ESV translation uses this word, behold, on purpose, because it, it, it translates as this. Listen, watch this. This is important. So every time we read the word behold in the scriptures, it means we should pay attention. Behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and on top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, if you grew up in the church, you know this as the stairway to heaven. And if you didn't grow up like church with me, I thought stairway to heaven was the name of a song. In fact, I'll I'll never forget, uh, I was 13 when I went from the promised land in my mind, Miami, Florida, the beach. I biked everywhere with my friends to the highways of suburbia Houston out in Spring Tomball area. Anybody from Spring Tomball area? I'm sorry, but it was a rough transition. And I was in the back of a car, not the back seat, but the trunk. Why? I'm not sure. But I was pouting because we had just left paradise and I had my Walkman on. Remember those Walkmans? You put these things called CDs in them and they play songs. You buy them in advance and and then they, anyway. And so I had my Walkman on and uh, my friend asked me, I was already concerned about this move, strange place called Houston, suburbia, all these highways, no place to ride my bike. And uh, uh, my my, my new friend, uh, the guy that, that I just met said, what are you listening to? And I said, Led Zeppelin. And he said, who is that? And then I knew I was in a very foreign place. So that's what I thought, stairway to heaven. No, this is the biblical stairway ladder to heaven. Amazing. Angels, behold, angels ascending, descending, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, this is the promise of blessing that we saw last week that God was gonna bless Abraham and his family three things, provision, and that provision was a place, the land of Canaan, today, modern day Israel. And the second was he was going to bless his people. He was going to bless his descendants. And then he was going to give them a purpose. He was going to bless the entire world through them. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So this is a repeat of last week's blessing, the promise of blessing. Here is this morning's blessing in verse 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I want to talk about the biblical significance of this because we read many, many times throughout Scripture following these verses God saying, I am with you. To Joshua, he said, I'm, I am with you. To Moses, he said, I am with you. To David, he said, I am with you. I mean, on and on and on and on. And in exile, he tells his people, I am with you. And through Jesus, he tells all of us who follow him, I am with you. See, the biblical significance is beautiful. 
and it's fulfilled in Jesus. Let's talk about that. And then I want to break down how we can be aware of God's presence. Because if he's always with us, then why are we not always aware? It's really a matter of us, isn't it? Because he fulfills his promise. So the problem is not with the present, omnipresent God. The problem is with us. We'll get to that after. We talk about this promise fulfilled in Jesus. See, when Jesus was born in Matthew chapter 1, what was his name? It was Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. <laughs> so we see this promise fulfilled through Jesus. And then in John chapter 1, it's very interesting. Jesus is choosing his disciples. He's calling them out and he chooses this man named Philip. And then, and then Philip tells his buddy Nathaniel. And Nathaniel literally says, what? You're following someone from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of there? Uh, it's like, can anything good come out of the north? Or can anything good come out of Canada? Or can anything good come out? You know, you fill in the blank wherever you want to stereotype. That's up to you. I won't uh, go, go there. But can anything good come out of there? And Jesus calls him out and he said, hey, Nathaniel, before Philip called you, I saw you under that fig tree. What does that mean? God was omnipresent. That through Jesus, he saw Nathaniel underneath that tree. Well, Nathaniel is shocked. He's like, oh my goodness, you are the Messiah. Unbelievable. And then Jesus says this in John 1, 50, 51. Jesus answered Nathaniel, because I said you to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? He says, you will see greater things than these. And then he quotes Genesis. He said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened in the angels of God ascending and descending on who? On the Son of Man. See, in the Gospel of Matthew, we see this happen when Jesus was baptized. In uh, verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3, it says, Jesus was baptized, and immediately Jesus went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The reason why this is so significant is that when we are baptized, the same thing happens. The gates of heaven open. The father says, because of what the son has done, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he is with us. He is pleased with us. And it says in Acts 2, 38 through 39, that when we are baptized, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a promise for us, for our children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. This promise of his presence is to all those that God has called to himself who are following Jesus. But not only that, because that already happened. The kingdom of God came down to earth. See, the Bible is way more, has, has a lot more to say about God coming down than about us going up. Maybe we were raised thinking that it's just about saying a prayer and making sure that we've claimed our ticket to heaven and then we can live however we want here until we go up there. Well, we're missing the point. We're missing how awesome it is that the God of heaven came down to earth. And he wants us now 
to be a part of his kingdom reality here on earth until Jesus comes back. And then Revelation 2 verses 1 through 4 talks about what is to come, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. What was it doing? Coming down of, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He is present. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. The promise of God's presence right now and then forever. Ain't that good news? Anybody out there that he dwells with us now and in him, we have the promise of everlasting life. Before I go any further, I think it would be appropriate. We're talking about Jacob, who later is renamed Israel. We've been talking about this promise that God made through Abraham, his people. Those are the Israelites. And uh, I was shocked yesterday morning. I know many of us were when we read the news of Israel. And here's the thing. As the people of God now being grafted into his family, we are called to do three things with the people of God, the Israelites, the nation of Israel. The first is pray. We, we, we need to pray for Israel. We need to bless them. <laughs> Last week, we learned that when we bless those that God blesses, we will be blessed. But if we curse those who God curses, what will God do? He will curse us. And, and the last thing that we need to do is we need to ask God for salvation because the Messiah has already come. That Their deliverer has come. And so I think given all the turmoil, it would be appropriate for us to stop and and, and say a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we are shocked by what is going on in Israel right now, but you are not. And so I pray, Lord, we pray in your name, Jesus, for blessing to come down, for safety in Jerusalem, as Psalm 122 asks us to pray for safety in Jerusalem, Lord. We pray for comfort for those that are mourning. We pray for strength for those that are taken hostage, Lord. And we pray for the evil to end in Jesus' name, for your saving grace upon that nation, that they would know the Messiah, the one true God, your son, Jesus of Nazareth, our only deliverer. We pray, Lord, in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. We pray for Israel. Psalm 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. And you may be right now, that, that's turmoil, but there may be turmoil in your life. And you may be wondering, okay, God is present, but I sure don't feel his presence because of hardship, because of something that you are wrestling with. It's interesting that Israel literally means God strives, strives with God. And, 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 and God's presence, I think, is actually most evident when we're enduring hardship. The question is, how, how do we know? How, 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 how can we be aware of his presence? Do we look 
for the clouds, for a sign in the clouds? Do we close our eyes and in hope for dreams? Well, in Jacob's response in the following verses, he gives us five ways to be aware of his presence. And so let's quickly go through them. See, in verse 16, it says that Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Love that self-awareness. He's saying, God was here. I just wasn't aware. And, And then it says he was afraid. There was a fear of God in him. And he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. The name of the city was Luz at first. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God is with me and I will keep in uh, and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I, uh, God, and and the stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. uh, And all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. So here we go quickly. What is the first thing that Jacob did to become aware of God's presence? Well, he took a nap. (laughs) He, He laid down and First thing that we need to do is be still. Just stop our busy lives and take a moment to be silent, to be still, and to ask that very question, Lord, where are you? I'm in this you know, trouble with this family member or this close friend or, or Lord, with this job situation or with this health issue or with the mourning of a loved one. God, where are you? Let's take a moment and be Still, there's an interesting study that was done in 2014. They put all these men and these women in this room by themselves. And what they found out is that we are petrified to be alone with our thoughts. See, they they put a variable and and they put a buzzer that every time that you press the buzzer, it shocked you. And and they found that 67% of men, this is not good news for us men, 67% of men would rather shock and be electrocuted slightly than be alone with their thoughts. Thoughts, women, it's better for you. 25% of y'all uh, press, press the button. What does this mean that we are petrified of being alone with our thoughts? Why? Because we don't know how to cope. We don't know what to do with the hard things that come our way with this life. We are overcome with anxiety and overcome with worry. Well, the good news is if, if we are still, like Psalm 46.10 says, if we are still and we know that he is God, then we can do what we sang earlier. We can surrender our circumstance to him. And we can pray Psalm 139, 23 and 24 and, and say, God, search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way of everlasting Some of y'all need to do what Jacob did. Just take a nap. Rest. Even if it's a hard pillow, just try it. Be still. Y'all, we run at such a fast speed. There's so many things coming our way. We need to recover awkward silence and, and be silent for a bit. Just say, Lord, where are you? Jacob napped. And, and then... The next thing is that God showed up in a dream. So he can show you dreams. 
Absolutely. He can show you a vision. He can show you a sign. Praise the Lord if, if, he, if he is doing that right now in, in your life. Oftentimes, though, we, we don't have that mirac- miraculous way of saying, Lord, where are you? We don't see the clouds say, I'm, I'm here. But what we have is right here, this miracle of God's word. So we, the second thing that Jacob did is, is he knew God's promise. He knew that he, God just told him, I'm with you. And now we know that he is with us because through Jesus, this promise is true for us as well. We've looked at these other promises that there is victory. Even though we are, uh, uh, you know, we, we have death to look forward to this side of heaven. In Christ, we have victory over death. Anybody? We have victory over death. That is a promise. And, and then we looked that God is the way maker through the covenant that God made with Noah. We looked at that. And then we looked at God as a God of blessing. Even when we mess up, he still blesses us and this morning that he is with us, his presence. So that, that's, that's what Jacob received. He received a promise. And then in verse 17, it says that he was afraid. It's interesting. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. See, this being afraid is the healthy fear of the Lord, which Proverbs teaches us is the beginning of all wisdom. If you want to be self-aware, be God aware, fear God. Recognize who he is and who we are. And and, and the fact that God opened up the gates and and came down to earth. An awesome, truly awesome reality. We we need to bring back awe to the word awesome because what do we do? We go to HEB and and they say, how how was your day? Oh man, it's awesome. I went to HEB. No, it's not. It was necessary that you went to HEB, but it wasn't awesome. It was cool, maybe, but not awesome. What is awesome? That God now dwells with men and that men can now know God. That is awesome. This, this fear, healthy dose of reverence that Jacob had. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And, and this is the gate, the way to heaven. It also requires a lot of humility. To, to be able to worship like that. And, and see, here's the thing. Even when we don't feel like it, we can worship God. Even when we're not feeling the, you know, when you feel those goosebumps in worship and you're like, man, this feels great. Even when you're in the middle of that hard season, you can still do what Psalm 103 teaches us and command your soul to praise God. Just start worshiping him when you don't feel it, when, when, when you're grumpy, when, when you just, the last thing that you want to do is say, God, you are good because everything else doesn't seem good. Try worshiping him with all. Oh, the next thing that Jacob does is he lives responsively, not responsibly, but as a response to what he's already done for him. He has promised him his presence. And then Jacob goes on and and he says, okay, God, if you are with me, if the Lord is truly here with me, then, man, you you are my God. I'm going to choose to follow you even when I don't want to, when it doesn't seem uh, easy or appropriate in my understanding. God, I'm going to choose to surrender and follow you. He, He brought that rock and he made it a pillar. Then he poured oil on it to consecrate and say, this is a holy moment. He also goes on to give God his 10%. That rock was maybe all that he owned besides some goats and sheep. And he just gave God back what 
God had already given to him that 10%. So we give as a response to what he's already given to us. Romans 12 says that we are to worship, how? As living sacrifices. That's what God wants. He wants our whole life, not just a part of it, all of it. The message translation says this. Here's, I'm sorry, it's the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him, which is my last point. When hardship comes, embrace it. Why? Because this isn't the last time that Jacob was in the presence of God. A couple chapters later in chapter 32, Jacob has an awesome experience with the Lord, but then his worry about his brother coming to him. See, Esau threatened to kill Jacob, and Jacob's worry increased, and he found himself wrestling a man, pitch a dart. Wasn't a man, though. It was God. And when we embrace hardship, we're actually wrestling with God. God, why, would, why did you do this? God, why would you allow something like this? I thought you were good. I thought you were, I, I thought you were the God of miracles, and, and yet I didn't receive it. Lord, where are you? Man, that's us wrestling with God. And when we do that, he does two things with Jacob. Number one, he renames him. He gives him a new identity. And the second is that he blesses Jacob. How? He pulls his hip out of his socket. A blessing, really? Jacob walked around the rest of his life like this, a blessing. What's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, when he asks God to take this thorn away, this thing that was bugging him, this hardship that he was dealing with, the sin issue. Lord, take it away. Three times he prayed. God said, I'm not gonna take away. Why? Because my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So God's presence could fill me more because of my weakness. I'm filled up with more of him and less of me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We embrace hardship because it gives us an opportunity to be filled with more of him, that he may increase in our life, and that our ego, our pride, our strength would decrease so that we can give him more glory, and not me, all God. And so this morning, Let's ask him to fill us up. Let's ask him for the grace to be aware of his presence in our life. Maybe that means coming up front. You can come here, kneel here as we close with this last song of worship. You can kneel on the side. You can come up to pray with someone to your left or to your right. But let's not leave without asking God to fill us. If you're able, stand with me as we pray. We thank you, God, for the promise of your presence. May we be aware of you in this room, in this place, in our hearts.
right now. We thank you for the promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will keep us, that your promise will be fulfilled, that you will give us this land that is heaven. We thank you. May we be aware, God, of who you are and how you are among us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.